Awesome, awesome. Man, great to be back with you guys. Uh, I missed you. Um, uh, my wife and I were not here last weekend because we had something going on, and I have a picture, of course. I don't know if it's ready, but I want to show you a picture if you guys could get that ready. Oh. That is the most beautiful girl ever. And that's our baby granddaughter. So um, Emma's doing great, and baby's doing good. That's baby Amelia. It's even kind of weird for me even to look at it now and realize this, we're grandparents. She's only 31. But, uh, yeah, thanks for your prayers. I mean, uh, Emma's labor and birth went great. We're just really thankful to God. It was an amazing experience. Tammy was actually able to be there in the delivery room with our daughter. And uh, so it was Zach, uh, my daughter's husband, and then and Grandma was there. You did it. And, and if you know my daughter, she's kind of feisty. And Tammy's real uh, composed and chill. And when you're in labor as a woman and you tend to be a little anxious, it's good to have somebody chill. Do you understand what I'm saying? So, like, she just brought her down, and, and God really used you so much. And uh, amazing. Well, I had to brag on my granddaughter. Is that okay? Oh, man. But it's good to be here. It's great to see you guys. Today, uh, I'm really excited to share this message with you. Uh, I'm going to be speaking about the spiritual gifts in 1 Corinthians 12 and the unity of Christ's church. And as we are worshiping today, um, I was thinking about my message and the spiritual gifts, and I thought about this first time ever. You know, what is one of the main purposes of the spiritual gifts? It is to make God real. It's not for us. It's not to give us some kind of power. It's not to make us look good. The spiritual gifts are given from the Holy Spirit to make God real. And I want to start with a story that happened on the Diag with me when I was young, um, when I was your age, that made God so real to me. I mean, I'm, you know, there's certain encounters you have in your life where you come away from them and you just realize God is real. Do you, know what I'm, do you understand what I'm saying? Like, these don't happen every day, but this could be like once a year, once a decade. It's a, wow, God is real. So as we look at the spiritual gifts, I want to open with this story. I, um, I was a CMIT. Go! See, we've got uh, four U of M CMITs here. And uh, I just graduated from U of M. And uh, I was on the Diag. It was during the day. It was a bright and sunny day. And I was doing evangelism with a, uh, a great young man from another campus ministry. He was a part of Inter InterVarsity and uh, was just uh, very zealous for God, loved to witness, and so we were on campus. There was a preacher on campus that day standing up on the bench. Um, it was a good, good preacher, though. You, you know, we get, we get all kinds here, but he was doing a good job. And so uh, my friend and I were out trying to minister to people in the crowd, because he was drawing a crowd, you know, because when you stand up and you talk about Jesus in the middle of campus, it draws a crowd. Sometimes. Sometimes it repels people, but this was a crowd. And so um, there was a young lady sitting on one of the uh, same concrete benches we still have there that lines the diag, and I felt the Holy Spirit say, go talk to her. 
so my friend and I went up to her and we began to talk to her about Christ. And um, she was very agitated. And I, um, I believe this may have been a discernment of spirits, which is one of the spiritual gifts we're going to talk about. But in that moment, I looked at her, and as she was talking, I realized she's possessed by a demon or demons. And so um, I just kind of listened to her, and then I asked her, well, can I read something to you? Because she, kinda, she was getting argumentative. And, you know, when you're witnessing to somebody that's possessed by demons, um, they don't really need a rational argument. They need an encounter with God. Okay. Andrew understands it because in Africa they're more spiritual than us. Um, Europe uh, used to, we're a child of Europe. We used to be spiritual, but he understands what I'm talking about. So I'll say it again. When somebody has a demon, they don't need a reasonable argument. They need to be, uh, have an encounter with the Holy Spirit. So I said, you know what? Can I just read you... Um, something. I opened up my Bible, and I went to Colossians chapter 1, and I began to read about the nature of Christ, how Christ is the image of the invisible God. And as I began to read, she looked at me and just said, shut that effing book. I said, oh, I think I hit a nerve there. All right, so I think we're going in the right direction. Uh, What do we do next? And um, again, it it was a preacher talking to people, students all over. I'm with my friend. Um, I think we were crouched down talking to her. She's on the bench. And I thought, I'm just going to offer her a prayer. So I asked if we could pray for her. She said, okay. I said, why don't we go over here? Um, it was by the fishbowl area, but where the trees are. So we went in a kind of a private, I mean, it's not private on the diag, but I wanted to take her and my friend kind of away from the crowd because I didn't know what would happen. And, but I, I thought, God wants to deliver her. So we went over to a grassy area by one of the trees and I just kind of explained that, you know, we're obviously Christians and uh, I want to pray for you that um, Jesus will remove the demon or demons from you. Do you want us to pray? And um, she actually said yes. You can pray for me. Um, so um, I said, okay, we're going to pray. So I just stretched out my hand, and I just said, in the name of Jesus Christ, I cast out these demons in her. Um, she began to uh, kind of be convulsive, and her face got really angry looking, you know, snarling and um, very angry. I looked over at my friend. Uh, he just closed his eyes and started speaking in tongues really fast. Um, I was like, oh, my gosh. God, about it. Um, and so I don't remember the specifics. Again, I was, you know, 22 years old. Uh, it was many years ago. But I just prayed, again, in the name of Jesus Christ, let go of her. Get out of her. And she started crying. And her face changed, and um, she began to, uh, to just cry. And it was really amazing. Like, her face that was angry. You've seen a lot of angry faces in your generation just go on social media. You know how there's so much anger today and wrath? You guys know what I'm talking about. People love to just, like, yell and scream. It was like that. It was like, you know, ah, insane screaming. And then it was to crying like a little innocent girl 
just tears streaming down her face, just relaxed, all the muscles. And, um, and we just began to talk with her about Jesus Christ, uh, invited her to receive Jesus Christ as her Savior. Um, if I'm remembering the story correctly, she had given us uh, her name that was not her real name. And so then she proceeded to tell us that her real name was Faith, which I took as very prophetic, that her name was Faith. And I said, well, that's interesting because Faith has just set you free. And Faith in Jesus Christ. And we prayed for her and ministered to her. Um, We then had a prayer meeting on campus. Right after that, we were going to pray together. And we had like probably 10. It was a student-run, student-organized prayer. It was just awesome. I mean, we had like an in, maybe a couple of interns, but it was largely students. Jonathan would remember these prayer meetings. It was, we're talking 1992, by the way. Um, he was like 10 years old then, but he would know about it. And so um, I went to this prayer meeting, you guys, and I wished I could just like download into your brain how real God was to me. I can't, but I wished I could. I went to this prayer meeting, and everybody's sitting around, and I said, guys, God is real. He's real. I mean, it just, he was more real. He was like tangible real. If you've ever seen an, ex- an encounter with the Holy Spirit, he's real. This is not theory. You know, we talk about it. We read it in the scriptures, but he's real. And uh, he was made real to faith. He was made real to my friend and I. And man, I don't remember how that prayer meeting went, but I think it went really good. I have a feeling. And it was just powerful. The purpose of the gifts of the Holy Spirit are to make God real. Let me open my sermon with a quote by uh, Pastor Francis Chan. If we could put that up. He said this, If I were Satan and my ultimate goal was to thwart God's kingdom and purposes, one of my main strategies would be to get churchgoers to ignore the Holy Spirit. Now, I believe that for most of you in this room, and maybe all of you, you do not want to see the purposes of God for U of M thwarted. In fact, you probably want to see the purposes of God fulfilled for U of M, right? You want to see the supernatural power of God made real, and international students, American students, professors, staff, neighbors, people that live on campus, you want to see the purpose of God. Is that right? All right, thanks for being with me. Um, I'm just kidding. I know you're with me. Um, You want to see the purposes of God? Then you must understand the power of the Holy Spirit. And um, Satan is trying to get the church to not emphasize the Holy Spirit because he is the third person of the Trinity that was given to the church to make God real. And one of the ways that is accomplished is through the spiritual gifts that we're going to talk about today. Second thing I'm going to talk about with you, and it ties into the spiritual gifts, is the unity of the church. I believe these are two key components. If, if we want to see a real move of God at the University of Michigan in Ann Arbor, we need to understand what it is to step out in the spiritual gifts and to work hard for the unity of the church. And I don't mean simply the unity of this local church. I mean the unity of the church in Ann Arbor, that the church will be one even as the Father and the Son are one. So we're going to get into that. Are you ready? Let's do it. Let me pray for you, and then we're going to look at 1 Corinthians chapter 12. So, Father, I thank you for that young lady that we were able to minister to. 
I don't know where she's at, but God, I pray for her. I pray that she will remember that moment. I pray that even if she has went back to the darkness, and I pray she hasn't, but even if she has, that, Lord, you will make yourself real this very moment, this morning. I ask that if she's kept the faith, that, God, you will help her to go deeper in the faith. We lift her up to you, and we pray for all these other students like her at the University of Michigan. Many of them are not possessed by the devil, but many of them are influenced by the devil. So many of them need a touch from God. And I pray that you will use our students and our alumni, our interns and our staff, to make you real through the operation of the spiritual gifts. God, we love you, we praise you, and we ask that you will just guide us now and meet with us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So we're going to look at 1 Corinthians chapter 12. As I said, we're going to look at verse 1 and verse 4 through 11. I have it on the screen so you can read it with me. This is, uh, I'm looking at the New American Standard if you want to look at it on your own phone, but, or you could just read it. First thing that, this is the Apostle Paul, and look what he says. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be unaware. So the first thing we know is that these spiritual gifts were so important that the Apostle Paul is saying, I don't want you to be unaware of these. You need to know about these gifts. They're very important. And he was talking to these early Christians. And so in verse 4, he talks about the spiritual gifts. Let's look at them. Now there are a variety of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are a variety of ministries and the same Lord. There are a variety of effects, but the same God who works all things in all persons. But to each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. Verse 8, we're going to look at the list of spiritual gifts. So let's pay attention here. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, to another the word of knowledge according to the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the one Spirit, to another the effecting of miracles, and to another prophecy, and to another the distinguishing of spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, and to another the interpretation of tongues. But one in the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually just as he wills. Okay, spiritual gifts. In the Greek, um, and again, I'm doing my best here, Neil. I know my pronunciation is not good. But the word used for spiritual gifts there is charismata. That's how we would say it in English, the charismata. And it comes from a word in Greek called charis. Now, if you look at, like in a Greek dictionary, say, I want to study spiritual gifts, you're going to see two other derivatives of this, um, charisma and charismata. And it basically means, it can be translated as like a gift or favor. It's a gift of grace. It's a favor from God. So the spiritual gifts are God's gracious gifts from the Holy Spirit given to us to make God real and for the common good. Now, one thing that I'm going to talk about a lot with you this morning, I want you to understand this. This is a misconception about the spiritual gifts. The spiritual gifts are not something that we personally possess and own. The gifts are belong to God, and if you saw in the, in the passage, he will manifest those spiritual gifts 
in you and through you when he wills, at the place he wills, but they're all his gift, not ours. So it's not like somebody can say, I have the gift of healing and I can heal anybody at, at will anytime I want. Now, God can. God can heal anybody, anytime, all the time. But if, if, because if I possess that gift, I just go to the hospital right now and I just go around and lay hands on every single person, they'd all be healed. Praise the Lord. So now God can do that and he can manifest that gift of healing. But when he uses me in the gift of healing, it is not something I possess that I just use as if it's mine all the time. But it's that God chose to use me in that moment in the gift of healing. Does that make sense? We're going to talk about that and go deep into it. But let's look at all the gifts. Let me, uh, let's go to the next slide. Generally, we can divide these spiritual gifts into three categories. Um, We have power gifts, we have speaking gifts, and we have revelation gifts. Again, nine gifts, nine spiritual gifts, charismata, that God has given to the church to make him real. Now, let's think about what are the power gifts. Well, power gifts are gifts that they do something. So, for example, healing is a power gift. There's also the working of miracles. Now, you might ask, well, what's the difference between the working of miracles and healing? Because isn't healing a miracle? It is. But apparently there's a difference between the working of miracles and healing. Healing is pretty clear, right? Someone is sick and they're healed. But miracles could be, we have miracles in the Bible that were not healing miracles, right? We have axes that were thrown in water and they floated to the top. We have the sun standing still. We have water turning to blood. We have all kinds of crazy miracles that happened that were not gifts of healing, but they were works of miracle. And what was the purpose of those? To make God real. So there is the working of miracles that's doing something, accomplishing something. There is the gift of healing. And then there is faith. This is always a difficult one. And I'll just let you know right up front, I don't fully understand the depth of what the gift, the spiritual gift of faith is. Because Paul is listing this as something distinct from faith that we all have to be saved. Does that make sense? Like, you, if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, you must have faith. We have faith. That's how we become a Christian. We walk by faith, not by sight. We believe that Jesus Christ was crucified, buried, and raised from the dead and ascended to the Father. That is faith. We walk by faith. The way I understand this spiritual gift, and again, I could be somewhat off on this. Um, I'm sure the Lord will make it all clear one day when I'm with him. But the way I see this, and the way that maybe God has manifest this in me at times, is an extra measure of grace in that moment of faith that's necessary. A faith that is so beyond even the faith I have. I have faith, I walk by faith, but like a faith that I know that I know it's going to be had. Like, even when I was ministering to, to faith, which is her name, and I knew God's going to set you free from demons, I think that was potentially a distinguishing of spirits that we'll get to. Because the Lord gave me an understanding that she has a demon or demons, but there was also a faith that was there. So again, this gift of faith, think of it as an extraordinary gift that God gives you when necessary for faith, right? You hear stories of, like in the natural realm, 
you hear stories of like uh, a child that got trapped under a car and like the, the child's dad came and literally like picked up the car and pulled the kid out. You've heard stories like this where it's not natural. Uh, if you just look at it from physics, his ligaments and muscles and bones should not have been strong enough to exert force to lift up 1,500, 2,000 pounds, but he did, and he pulled, you know, the child up. So think of this as faith is like a spiritual application where it's an extra measure of faith in that moment to accomplish something to make God real. God gives you the gift of faith. So these are power gifts. They do something. The next group of gifts that Paul lists are gifts that say something because you, you use your mouth for these. They're speaking gifts, right? So these are tongues. Now, this is not just tongues, but the, um, the scriptures say in 1 Corinthians 12 that we're reading, the Greek there says kinds of tongues, not just tongues. We usually say, you know, do, do you have the spiritual gift of tongues? But it's actually kinds of tongues. And that is because when you look in the scriptures, and especially in 1 Corinthians 14, which we don't have time for today, amazing passage. It would be great to, to dig into it. There is different kinds of, of the spiritual gift tongues. There are the tongues where when you receive the, the infilling, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and you speak in tongues for the first time. There is a tongues that you would use in your own personal devotional life. Some of you do that, right? Some of you pray. I, I will pray in tongues. Sometimes during worship, I will speak in tongues. Um, there is um, a kind of tongues that would be given in a church setting or in a core group that needs to be interpreted. And that's a message that God is giving to the body of Christ that is not just a message for you, but it's an, a, message, a message to bring edification to the body. And therefore, it needs to have, number two, the interpretation of tongues. Right? So, again, we can't get into tongues. That would be a whole other sermon. I probably should do that, right? Maybe two sermons, but there are the private devotional tongues. There's the public use of tongues. And the public use of tongues goes with the interpretation. And then there is prophecy. Prophecy is a speaking gift. It is when the Holy Spirit gives you a prophetic gift to speak prophetically into the life of somebody. Um, now, when we think of prophecy, if I ask you what is prophecy, probably what most people think is it's understanding the future. Do you understand what I'm saying? Like, when you think of prophecy, it's like, well, I know what's going to happen. And sometimes prophecy can certainly be the foretelling of the future. When you look at the Old Testament prophets, very often they prophesied the future, Right? Remember Jeremiah and Isaiah to Israel? You're going to be judged. You're going to be judged. Now, um, not all prophecy is a foretelling of the future, but some of it is. Now, here's the thing that you've got to be careful with as a, a, a New Testament era Christian. I love prophecy. I believe in prophecy. I want to prophesy. I want you to prophesy. I want all of us to prophesy. But here's the problem. Very often... Prophecies that are foretelling of the future tend to be really, like, happy and glowing and you're awesome and God's going to do great things through you. Now, that can be true. But I challenge you to go through every prophecy in the Old Testament. Almost all of them were this. You're going to be judged. You need to repent of your sin. You need to turn from your wickedness. The wrath of God is coming. Now, 
not that all of our prophecies have to be that way, but that, that's a litmus test. You know what I'm saying? It's not always a make-you-feel-good prophecy. It's just foretelling of the future, what's happening in the future to very often Israel, but also nations and even individuals. There was prophecy. I'm not trying to say that all prophecies have to be that either. I don't want to be extreme or misunderstood here. That's not what I'm saying. But when it comes to foretelling of the future, it's not always, you know, roses and tulip gardens, right? So, but what, what is another type of prophecy? Another type of prophecy can just be God giving you insight into a person and what they're dealing with. This can very often tie into revelation gifts that we're going to get to. So this could very often be a word of knowledge, but it could also be a prophetic word that God gives you for that person to meet them where they're at, knowing something about them that they don't know. Well, that also ties into the revelation gifts. Revelation gifts are very powerful, very important. Um, so the first, the, the power gifts, they are gifts that what? They do something. Speaking gifts are pretty obvious. They say something. And the uh, revelation gifts, they reveal something, a mystery, something hidden. Um, word of knowledge, word of wisdom, and the discerning of spirits. So the story I told you at the beginning with the young lady Faith that we ministered to, I don't know what gifts of the Spirit were at work there. I think discerning of spirits may have been one. Um, maybe you've ever been, you, God has given you that gift at a time. Maybe you've met somebody and you're like, ooh, there's like a, a demonic influence there. You could kind of have a discerning of spirits. But there's a positive thing too. I've been in worship times with um, Christians and we just had this great worship time. And, uh, and one of the believers said, you gosh, you guys, I could see angels all around when we worshiped. There was a discerning of spirits, but it's not always got to be like the dark side. And she just said there was angels. And, and, and it was like, it made God so real to me. It made God so real to everybody. Do you understand what I mean? Like, there's angels all around. And there may be angels in this room right now. I wish I could see them. One day we will, face to face, all the time. We'll live in the glory of God and the saints and the angels. But it's like that distinguishing of spirits at times where it can be, God can kind of remove the veil and you can see angelic hosts that happened in the Old Testament very often, didn't it? Remember, they would see angels and angels would appear to them. So there can be a distinguishing of spirits. Word of knowledge and wisdom. Word of knowledge, I think, is somewhat easier to understand. It's also tied into a personal revelation of a mystery or something about a person because it's like God gives you knowledge about a person. I remember one time, when um, uh, we were ministering on campus and we were in front of Good Time Charlie's. I don't even know if it's still there, that bar, but it was, it is, oh, Seth knows. Seth, <laughs> whoa, Pastor Chris, dog with him. Um, so, hey, but um, we were doing a little uh, ministry, open-air preaching and, and talking to people about Christ. And so I was um, standing on, there was a tree with like a, a concrete circle around it, a bench, and I was standing on it talking about the Lord. There was two guys sitting in front of the bar, and uh, I was talking about Jesus, and, and I was talking about, um, I'm trying to remember, this was a long time ago, but I, I believe it was, you know, one day Jesus is going to be returning, and he's going to look at you, and he's going to say, and, and I looked at these guys, and two names popped in my head. 
and I called out their names. And if I'm remembering the story correctly, they like looked at each other like, what the heck? He just called our names out. And so, and then I had an opportunity to minister to those guys. So it was like a understanding, if I'm remembering the story correctly, it was an understanding in that moment that I couldn't know, right? So the Holy Spirit wanted to minister to them. And that led to a great night of me seeing a friend from high school and going in a bar to witness, and it was crazy, but we won't get into that. So um, it was awesome, though. But word of knowledge, very important, right? um, And then, of course, the word of wisdom, I don't fully understand that either. Like I said, I'm not the expert on the spiritual gifts. God is. Uh, but I'm just trying to help you guys understand them to the best of my ability. Word of wisdom would be a special grace of wisdom in that moment. If anybody has the words of wisdom, it's my wife, Tammy. If you ever need to talk about something um, and you need some wisdom, she's the lady. We've had a lot of talks that are like that. Man, so word of wisdom. And you're a wise person, but there can be like an insight that is beyond just, you know, Tammy's a wise person. You know, Andrew's a wise man. It's beyond that. It's a spiritual gift in that moment, an understanding that you could not have on your own. Does that make sense? It's a charismata. It's a gift. You don't possess it. Like, Tammy is a wise woman, so you possess wisdom from life experience and how God made you, but there's something beyond that, that the word of wisdom. Now, I believe that these gifts of the Holy Spirit are essential to winning U of M to Christ. And, um, and because of this, I want to see you guys step out in them. So how do you step out? Well, I'm going to be like the king of obvious. Okay? This is, uh, if you're, this is not a big revelation here. This isn't like a word of knowledge. I'm just going to be honest. How do you step out in these? Number one, you've got to want to step out. You've got to want it. Lord, I want you to use me to bless my neighbor, my roommate, the person in my class. You've got to want it, right? Desire it. Desire earnestly these spiritual gifts. Number two, you have to pray and ask God to use you in these. If you go on and you look in um, the passages of Scripture, Paul tells the Corinthian believers to earnestly desire the spiritual gifts. He wanted those Christians to, to desire these. He goes on and says, I want all of you to speak in tongues. He wanted people to step out in the Holy Spirit. He wanted people to ask God and to desire to be used by God. So you've got to want it. You've got to pray and ask God to use you. And then third, you need to step out. And that can be the scary part, right? Like, you feel like you have a word of knowledge for somebody, and you're thinking, I don't know. Well, here's how I handle it, and I think this would be great in our core groups. And it requires humility, but it's a, a really great practice. Humility always is good, right? So um, to say to the person, this is what I think might be a word of knowledge for you, and I don't know. I might be missing it but I want to share it and, and, and tell me if this sounds like something that God is doing. You understand what I'm saying? That, that's a different posture, right? That's a posture of humility. I think that I have maybe a word of knowledge or prophetic word for you. I want to share it as opposed to, thus says the Lord, Andrew, you are supposed to join h staff. 
that, that's not, yeah, that's not what's supposed to happen. <laughs> and, uh, but you know, uh, you're just easy to, to pick on. You're a good, you're a good sport. Ugandans are, are awesome. They're, 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 they're fun. So, um, but, but in a serious way, if I had a prophetic word for you, I would, thus says the Lord. I mean, there might be a time for that, but I'm just very careful to speak for the Lord because if I speak for him and I'm wrong, well, then he will rebuke me. And I don't want to be rebuked by the Lord. I want to be, I want to humble myself that he might exalt me, see? And that's the danger with spiritual gifts. I think in America, we're on one extreme. We're not using them nearly enough. We're not stepping out in the gifts. So that's the extreme most Christians are in. But there are, is another extreme where we get a little proud and arrogant, and we can think we're the spiritual church. We step out in the Holy Spirit. Other people don't. And it can lead to arrogance, and that invalidates the other part of the passage we're going to talk about, which is the unity of the church. The gifts are to unify the body of Christ. Because you can have all the miracles in the world, but if the church is broken and divided and backbiting, that's not very appealing to the world. Right? It's like, hey, you want to come join the Grisco family? And my wife and I argue constantly. You ever been in homes where a mom and dad, don't say it if it's your family, they just bicker all the time? You know any old people and they just argue all the time? They argue. You love to be a part of that, don't you? No, that repels me. I'm like, I'm out. See you later. So when the church does it, it repels. I'm getting ahead of myself. We're going to talk about unity of the church. But one more thing. I, one of the things I love about campus ministry, and I love so many things about it. It's the best job in the world. Oh, man. If you guys ever want to consider campus ministry, I mean, seriously, there's a thousand reasons I love this. But one reason I love it is working with the young generation, the emerging generation, just being on really the front, front lines, the cutting edge of culture. And one of the things that I see about your culture, and this is something you're going to have to deal with. If you want to see a move of God in your generation, and as your generation grows up and gets older, you're going to really need to have a spiritual sensitivity and to be full of the Holy Spirit, and to step out in the spiritual gifts. Because we are, we've always been in a spiritual battle, but I'm telling you, this battle is becoming public. It's becoming very, very public. I'm trying to remember if the young woman that we ministered to and cast the demon out of told me she was a Wiccan. I think so, but I don't know. But I remember meeting uh, witches on campus um, I was from a small town in southwest Michigan, and uh, any witches we had were in hiding, okay? And I came to U of M, and there was people out talking about being a witch. And so, but at that point in time, 1990, 1991, 92, it was still somewhat uh, hidden. It wasn't culturally acceptable. You, your generation is, going, is facing an outright spiritual battle, and it's, it's going to be, it's already public, if you go to certain cities in the world, you go to Brooklyn, they have covens of warlocks and witches, and they will curse. I remember when President Trump was president, they would publicly, witches would publicly curse him. Do you remember that? Did anybody hear that? Was anybody aware of that? They would, like, publicly make statements. We're getting together and we're cursing the president. And they'd have, like, witch meetings and curse the leader of the United States. Now, when Tim and I were young... 
people were cursing presidents. But now it's public. Now it's they're having their own witch gathering. Now they're having their own bookstores. Now they're having their own Wiccan celebrations. Now they're bringing a satanic statue to downtown Detroit where they brought in the uh, statue, I believe it's Baomet is, is the name of that demon that they brought in. And they had an unveiling of this demonic statue in a uh, warehouse in downtown Detroit. So what I'm trying to tell you is the things that were kept under wraps in the previous generation is now becoming public. And a church that is weak in the Holy Spirit, a church that doesn't understand who they are in Christ, a church that doesn't understand the spiritual gifts is going to be impotent to reach this generation. But a church that is filled with the power of God and understands the spiritual gifts will be a church that is able to go and to say, in the name of Jesus Christ, rise up and walk. In the name of Jesus Christ, come out of this young woman. In the name of Jesus Christ, come to know the Father. See, the spiritual gifts are essential in your generation. Um... I'm not making a prophetic statement because remember what I just told you. I don't like to, uh, to uh, speak for the Lord when I could be wrong. But I am, just my intuition is telling me there will very soon be public satanic um, parades in Ann Arbor and Detroit and in the cities of America where they will publicly pro- proce- have processionals with demons. You just need to be aware of this. It's coming. Now, they'll say it's freedom of religion, and we're not really Satanists, and whatever. It's a demon. And uh, and they'll try to cloak it, right, with different terms and stuff like that. They'll call you closed-minded if you oppose them. But what the Lord needs is young men and women that will step out in the power of the Holy Spirit and say the blood of Jesus Christ is more powerful than any force in the universe The blood of Jesus Christ has forgiven me of my sins, has cleansed me. My Savior is here, and he'll set you free. This world we're in is not even nearly as bad as the other worlds we've we've seen. And I know this this message on spiritual gifts might be kind of strange, but I just am trying to make God more real to you in the spiritual battle we're in. I bet Nancy and Andrew would would, would be able to say, I've seen some spiritual battles in Uganda. Uh, Probably not unusual, is it? All of you, huh? Yeah, see, it's just, in America, trust me, when you take God out of a culture, the demons return. It's like, we've got to talk about the Lord of the Rings. It's like Sauron is just, you know, that is really powerful in that story, though. You know how before the battle started, Sauron called all those forces to himself? Do you remember that? He called them to Mordor. He called them, and that's happening in our day. He's calling people. He's, he's, it's a song. He's singing. He's calling them all. He's gathering for the battle. Um, but our Savior has won the battle. Jesus Christ is the victor. There's no fear. I have no fear at all. I mean, they can't hurt me because I'm already dead. I already died. I'm, it's not me anymore. That man died, and I'm a new person in Christ. And what are they going to do? Kill me? I'll go to heaven. Um, so God is looking for your generation. So I love campus ministry. You guys can step out and see a great move of God. Make God real. Let God use you to make himself real on this campus. Amen? I don't know. I'm getting fired up. I don't know if you are. Okay. Unity, the second thing I want to talk about in closing, 
and, and this ties into fall retreat as well, but, um, and we're going to talk about that in a second, but the unity of Christ church. We may not need to read all this passage, but let's just start in verse 12. If we could put that up, Deb. Um, For even as the body is one and yet has many members, and all the members of the body, though they are many, are one body, so also is Christ. Okay, we'll stop right there. Paul is teaching by way of metaphor. He's talking about your body, but he's using that as a metaphor for the church. I don't want to go deep into the ecclesiology here, but the church is the body of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is still on earth, and that is his body, his bride, right? So the, the, the church is the body of Jesus Christ, just like Tammy and I, when we were united in holy marriage, she became my body, right? That's why the Apostle Paul says, husbands, love your wives as you love your own flesh, right? We are one now, and in that passage in Ephesians, the Apostle Paul even says, I am referring to a mystery, but it's of Christ in the church. So the church is the body of Christ, and he's teaching by way of metaphor about your physical body. Let's look at what he says. What's the metaphor? Well, it's pretty obvious here, but think about it. It is deep. For by one spirit, we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free. We were all made to drink of one spirit. For the body is not one member, but many. If the foot says, because I'm not a hand, I'm not a part of the body. It is not for this reason any less a part of the body. And if the ear says, because I'm not an eye, I'm not a part of the body. It's not for this reason any less a part of the body. It's the best I can do. I'm not an empty. If the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? Good question. If the whole were hearing, where would the sense of smell be? Another good question. But God has placed the members, each one of them, in the body just as he desired. If they were all one member, where would the body be? Now there are many members, but one body. And the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Or again, the hand can't say to the feet, I have no need of you. Okay, we're going to stop there. Again, I know this is not overly complex and it's not deep, but I do think it's a very profound teaching that Paul is trying to say. In your body, you have all different parts, but they all work together for the well-functioning of the whole. You, you need your hand and you need your eye and you need your nose. And what Paul is warning us against is thinking that we are unnecessary uh, because we are not a different part of the body or that another part of the body is not necessary. And remember, what is the body of Christ that we just talked about? The church. All parts of the body are needed. Every part. And the reason I find this so important in this passage is because I also believe that to see God made real to your generation is going to require us working for unity in the body of Christ at U of M. Working with other churches. Working with other campus ministries. Um, and I already alluded to that earlier, and I talked about a divided family and how it's not appealing, but it's actually repulsive to those that are outside. And so I won't go into detail, but again, let us work for the unity of the body. Let us strive for that. Let us not 
backbite and talk bad about other churches. We've had enough of that. Um, it's been going on for thousands of years. Let's try to love the body, which is the body of Christ, and, uh, and see God do an amazing work. Well, I'm going to make a, a little transition here that might seem really strange, but I'm going to um, kind of just back up what Bree said. Bree, thank you for that fall retreat testimony. You did a great job, and I appreciate you sharing that. And what she said is true. And um, I'm going to kind of promote it real quick because we'd like you guys to sign up today. And let me tell you why I think the fall retreat is going to be so important. We're bringing in um, a speaker named uh, J.P. Dorsey, who's a, a great guy. He's a friend of mine. He's also the president of a Bible college in Michigan. And what he's going to be speaking about is how your generation, the postmodern generation, has departed from determining truth primarily through reason and logic, but they determine truth primarily through feelings. Anybody agree with me on that? It's not reason and logic, it's feelings. And you know what? You are, this is the perfect opportunity for people that step out into the in spiritual gifts to reach your generation. Because a, a reasonable argument is important, and I like reason and logic, but for your generation, by and large, what's going to be even more convincing to them is a power encounter with the Holy Spirit. And so as a charismatic or Pentecostal Christian, you are perfectly situated for this generation. This, this is the time. This is your day. And so our speaker at the retreat, is gonna, his, all of his messages are going to be on that topic, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday morning. And then Saturday um, morning, he's going to do a special breakout on sexual um, identity, gender identity, and all the things that your generation is dealing with. And again, I don't know many people more qualified to speak on it than J.P. Dorsey. He works with your generation, and he's a, a great theologian, but he's also a, a spirit-filled man that loves the Holy Spirit. So it's going to be an awesome retreat. Maybe it could be one of the best we've ever had. And it's also going to be tons of fun, just like what Bree was saying. So even if you're not feeling like Mr. or Mrs. Spiritual, still come. I mean, man, lifelong friendships, great fun. Um, maybe even play a little basketball and, and beat you guys in it. Um, the old man will take you on. But uh, it's going to be good. So what we're going to do is tra I want to pray for you um, that just what I've said, that God will really work in us and through us at U of M in this. And then we're going to have laptops set up to register because uh, Jacob Obel is the director of the retreat, and he's got a, free, a special gift. I think he is a, a T-shirt, isn't it? Uh, Jacob, yeah, because Jacob's organizing. He had a gift. It's a free T-shirt. So um, if you, you pre-register, you get a free T-shirt. That's our little bribe. How, how do you like that? You guys like free clothing? Yeah? Yeah, it looks good, too. It's a $100 T-shirt. All right. But anyway, um, Elliot, Noah, you guys are going to do that, right? So you guys will be set up outside the door. So as you're leaving, you, you can, we're going to register online. You can pay the full amount or a deposit if you want to do that. It's fine. It's all online. But uh, let's, let's go and let's have a powerful time with the Lord. Uh, it's going to be an amazing retreat. So looking forward to it. Anyway, let me, let me bless you here. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, we thank you for what you're doing at U of M. 
we thank you that your spirit has been given to your church to make God real. And I pray for the power of God to be at work in and through this generation, that they will not walk in fear, they will not look at their culture and be frustrated, but they will look at their fellow men and women and say, what an opportunity to step out in the spiritual gifts. God, we pray that warlocks and witches will come to Jesus. We pray that scientists and doctors will come to Jesus. We pray that freshmen and internationals will come to Jesus as your Holy Spirit makes God real on this campus. God, we pray that this service today and this message will not just be a good teaching, but it will lead to a lab. We don't want lecture. We want lab. God, we want you to be made real in our apartments, in our dorms, in our research laboratories, in our campus buildings. We want you to be glorified. So, God, we pray that you will manifest your glory through us, willing servants, and do something that is just absolutely extraordinary. We love you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, let's, uh, let's go out with a song of worship. You guys have a song, right? No song? Oh, we're not doing a song. That's right. Our response today is neither a song nor an altar call. It's registration. And you're all going to register, right, Neil? Yes, he's going. Uh, we're all going. All right. God bless you guys. I'll see you guys at the retreat. <laughs>